0: Welcome everybody to the Nerd Pool Podcast, with the fat fool who loves Deadpool, your host, Jamie. The water's fine, come on in. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Nerd Pool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the Fat Pool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me. It's me. It's the J M I E. Your forty seventh favorite podcast, so and as always, your Sherpa down this road of nerdiness. And yes, I know it's been a while. I missed most of December with episodes, but with the holidays, my work schedule, and a lot of family family issues going on, I just I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to to put episodes out especially if they weren't up to par or something I enjoyed. And it was just a lot of time. And I do apologize to every one of my chimichangas and tacos out there, guys. Uh, anybody who checked on me, anybody who, you know, was asking when they were coming out, when another episode was coming out, I truly do apologize to you guys. As, like I said, it was just so much going on. I just couldn't find time. So, Because I, I know I missed the most of December. And I really, truly ask for your forgiveness. I hope that you can find it in your heart to... Just, you know, just forgive me and, and let me let me make it up to you with, with future episodes. And just, I'm going to do my best in 2019 to bring you the best, best content that I can. You, you guys are amazing. So just right off the bat, thank you for that. Um, on today's episode, I'm going to be doing not one, but two movie reviews. There were three superhero movies that come out in the month of December. And I know some of you are like, well, this is dated, but I wanted to give you my takes on them. Um, we had Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which was Sony's new Spider-Man movie and their ploy to keep the rights to the Spider-Man franchise. And it was an animated film as Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel Studios are using Tom Holland's Spider-Man, so I guess they couldn't really do that. We had that. We had DC's next attempt at staying relevant in the superhero comic book genre of films uh, with Aquaman. And we had the re-release ...of Deadpool 2 as a PG-13 cut for Once Upon a Deadpool. Now, Once Upon a Deadpool and Spider-Man came out in the same week. And as a Deadpool fan, as a man who loves Deadpool, loves Wade Wilson, loves the Merc with the Mouth... ...I had to do what was right for the man, the myth, the legend that is Wade Winston Wilson... And that is, I had to go see Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I know a lot of you are going, wait, 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 wait. You're a Deadpool fan and you didn't see Once Upon a Deadpool. Unfortunately, I didn't, like I said, with a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I have caught catching it. I've actually got it pre-ordered for when it comes out on DVD already. But I felt that if you know Deadpool, he would have wanted you to see Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse, instead of Once Upon a Deadpool. I'm saving that for a home viewing, I'm saving that for a private time, you know, put on a little wham, turn the light down low, light some candles, and bask in the glory of another Deadpool movie, which is actually just a re-release of the second, but I don't care. Anyway, we're going to jump right into Into the Spider-Verse, again, this was... The animated Spider-Man movie. And this is different because this one's featured around Miles Morales as Spider-Man from the Ultimate Spider-Verse. You do get Peter Parker. You get Peter Porker. You get Spider-Man Noir. And you get Anime Spider-Man. You get all these different Spider-Mans that are coming together. That are being their dimensions. Oh, and excuse me. I forgot. uh, It's Gwenpool. Or excuse me. Gwenpool. I'm obsessed with Deadpool right now. I'm so sorry. We get Spider-Gwen. You get multiple Spider-Man. And what I like about this movie, first off, the animation was incredible. It was done in the style of a comic book. And I think Sony actually got the Spider-Man movie right with this because some of the backgrounds are a little blurred, as they were in comic books. It's like as it goes on, you see thought bubbles. When they're talking, you'll actually see the thought bubbles. You'll see when scenes change, it's kind of like panels changing. And it's over-exaggerated on some of the the artistic licenses. Uh, they use, they take heavily from the Marvel ultimate universe. Um, especially with the villains here, Kingpin voiced by uh, Liv Shriver. I, I love the voice. I, I love that. When I, when I think of, of Kingpin, uh, especially since he's more, he's found a new life on the daredevil TV show on Netflix. Um, that, that, William D'Onofrio playing him. He looks good, right, but the voice just doesn't work. He doesn't have that... He has a sinister, like, whispering tone about him. And when I think of of Kingpin, I think of what it was in the Spider-Man cartoon. I, I need a over-the-top, booming, just deep, I command, respect voice. And... Liv Shriver gave that, you know, he, he had a great voice in it. I do think the villains were extremely over-exaggerated. Uh, Kingpin looked way too massive and way too big and way too huge and rotund and circular. Now, these are just small little aspects because this movie is fucking phenomenal. Guys, this movie is really probably the best Sony Spider-Man movie they've put out. Simply, I guess, because it's animated, you can do a lot more with it you're not limited by what the CG effects would be or even what practical effects would be you it, it, it looks great and you can do aspects that you can't do in real life but the villains are over exaggerated like I said Kingpin is a little too big and there's parts when like he's getting his car pull up and when he gets out he's twice the size of the car and it just it, to me it took a little bit away even though it's a cartoon so you got to give him time for that. We get a lot of villains in this. We get Green Goblin. We get Kingpin. We get Scorpion. We get Doctor Octopus. We get um, we uh, Prowler. I mean, we we we've got a bevy of Spider Man villains in this, and they're all you know they all play their great part. Green Goblin. They, uh, spoiler alert, they kill off, and yes, I'm going to do a. I'm gonna do some spoilers for this. So, I mean, the movies have been out for a while. They, they've made all the money, so if you haven't seen it, I mean, that's really on you. But I'm just going to say it for you if you haven't, spoiler alert. Um, Green Goblin's too big, and they kill him off really, really too quickly for me. And if you go into this knowing anything about Miles Morales' character, you know his uncle is Prowler, and you get that. So we get this aspect of... Miles Morales' dad being a cop, Miles Morales' uncle being a a criminal, not really knowing he's a super villain, but knowing he's a criminal, and we get an aspect of Miles who who loves his uncle and looks up to his uncle, you know, and his dad not really wanting to, his dad doesn't talk to his his brother, his Miles' uncle, he doesn't. Badmouth him per se in front of Miles because he knows Miles has that respect and that love for him but you can tell that that path of these two characters went different ways and you see Miles kind of caught in the middle of this the scenes where Miles actually finds out that Prowler is his uncle is kind of heartbreaking as you see his whole world of this man that he's put on a pedestal and he loves and he respects so much kind of fall apart you get to see the part where Prowler finds out that Spider-Man that he's been chasing for Kingpin is Miles, and you see that realization of I can't kill the I can't kill my nephew. I love my nephew, and you see that that, that turmoil and inner, inner struggle of Prowler. And as he goes on through that, then we get the Uncle Death scene that's usually by Ben Parker. Uh, we get that here with Miles Morales's uncle, where he he kind of gives him the Great power comes great responsibility, but he doesn't actually say it that way. And we get that whole aspect. Now on other ends of this, we get to see the Miles Morales story of him becoming Spider-Man, with a Spider-Man already in his universe. Peter Parker's already in the universe. And we get to see Miles as he gets his powers run through trying to learn how they are, try the struggle of being a teenager who, you know, kind of looks up to Spider-Man and, and sees all this happening. And the inner struggle of him going from an inner city school where you see him in the opening scenes where he's walking by an old school and people are handshaking him, you know saying, "Hey, what's up, missing him and he goes into a a dormitory prep school which he's gotten in because he's a very intelligent kid, and you see him in there, and nobody's really picking on him, but people are kind of just looking at him differently because he's a new kid and he's also the he seems to I guess be they they feel like he's the nerd in the class, and we get to see the struggle of a kid who's out of his element, but his parents are trying to help him better himself and become better equipped for what comes on, so he's not stuck in poverty or in you know the the ghettos and all that. So it's a, it's an inner struggle of him being a kid who's trying to who knows he's intelligent, but. Just wants to be a normal child. And then you throw in the aspects of him getting powers from a radioactive spider. And we're seeing the struggles of a coming-to-age story of a kid coping with all of this while also going through puberty. Also liking girls. And it's a really fun movie. I mean, let's not just take that away. When we see the part of the Spider-Man from the other universes come in. Spider-Man Noir is hilarious in this. And the dark brooding of fashion that he is with the and the fascination he gets for the Rubik's cube when he can't really see colors it's all you know black and white to him we get to see all we get to see every character's origin story told quickly and fluently and it's done in a way that's fun and it doesn't feel like it's bombarding you with too much exposition on backstories They're all pretty much the same story, but tweaked in their different ways, as it is, because they are all Spider Man. And we get to see the interactions of them coming to grips with trying to get back to their own universes because of Kingpin, whose family has passed away due to a battle he had with Spider Man. Now he's trying to bring them back from other dimensions and universes. And as these Spider Man get dragged in, we get to see them trying to go back home while at the same time trying to stop Kingpin from destroying not only the universe that they're in, but every universe. We get to see an older Peter Parker who's amazing. I mean, the the voice acting, the character acting, the story acting is amazing. Of a grizzled Spider-Man who's been doing this for years, he's lost his wife, uh, Mary Jane. He he was in love, he's lost his wife, he's lost any money he had invested in bad investments. He's living alone in an apartment, he's overweight, and we get to see the struggle of that Spider-Man as he comes to term with a really a depression and suicidal tendencies, which really isn't touched upon in this movie because it's more of an upbeat film, but we get to see his struggle of being a hero who's kind of on a cruise control and out of control and doesn't want to actually I guess be there anymore he doesn't want to do it anymore but he's kind of stuck because he is Spider-Man and we get to see him go back to being the hero that we all knew he was and all knew he could be as long as we get to see also again Spider-Gwen and Spider-Ham and Spider-Ham or Peter Porker Spider-Ham is there and it's that's all comic relief that's just there to add the cartoony more aspect of it certain people didn't didn't care for that. I actually loved it. I thought it brought a great dynamic to Spider-Man. There's million, you know, there's hundreds of spider mans they could have used from different universes, and they brought that in, and that's a deep cut because not many people know about it. But it was just a fun little side character to have, and the him hitting people with hammers and frying pans, and he is pretty much the you know cartoon. It's Porky Pig with a Spider-Man costume on, not without the stutter. And it's just a great job. Again, just the soundtrack is phenomenal in this movie. It works so well from every scene to scene. Was just When they play music, it just fits. The voice acting was done incredibly. The story told is great from every aspect and every character. I cannot heap enough praise onto this film. Sony did a great job with this. And I would not hate if they took this and this is how they roll with Spider-Man from here on out. Because their live actions are always hit and miss. I mean, I enjoy them. You know, the Spider-Man 3 we don't talk about. The first two Spider-Mans were really good. Even the amazing Spider-Man, I really like both of them. And I just think, again, without, without the limitations of what you can do with with actual actors and CG and practical effects and everything, I think animation might be the way to go. Especially with the fact that it doesn't look like Sony's going to be able to be using Tom Holland Spider-Man in their films. Or if Marvel's going to let them use that version of it so this would be a great way for them to expand on a universe without having to infringe upon what they've built with their partnership with marvel studios in the mcu so i really hope we you know they go with this one i think we're going to again because in the after credit scene we get to see spider-man 2099 as he goes back in time and he actually visits the cartoon from the 60s and with a fun little spot with the memes pointing at each other. And they're like, don't point at me. Or, hey, you're pointing at me. No, you're pointing at me. No, you're pointing at me. It's a funny aspect. And I think that's going to be next in because I believe this this made a bunch of money. Um, I don't think it got as, it, while it's, you know, while it, it got great reviews and people loved it, I don't know if it made as much money. I'd have to look at the numbers. I'm sorry I'm behind. But I, I don't know if it made as much as it should as the live actions did. But, again, great film. I highly recommend you check it out. Moving on to the counterpart to it with the DCEU, uh, DC and Warner Brothers' next film in their series, Aquaman came out. Now, this film was one that was ripe right with a lot of problems from out. First off, you're taking a character that most comic book fans make fun of. Aquaman is not the best known character. He's not the best known, you know, well, he's, he's known, he's just not the one that people think of. When they look at superheroes, and Jason Momoa actually took this out, he took it in a different direction and did a did a pretty good job with it. James Wan did an amazing job. Again, this film, the scenery, the the shots in the film are just beautiful, spectacular. Atlantis is gorgeous. All the underwater scenes are gorgeous. It is. It's. It's just jaw dropping to look at, and it's what I wanted. I wanted to see more of Atlantis. I wanted to see the underwater scenes. I, I didn't want to see everything on land. I wanted to see how it was underwater, and they pulled it off great. Um, the costumes are all, you know, comic book accurate, uh, from Ocean Master to Black Manta's over Black Manta's over exaggerated helmet, which they actually reference. Why it's like that when he gets the Atlantean tech to create the beams from his eyes. He has a normal helmet and when he does it, they cross and it melts it. And he says, I must make the helmet bigger. So that's why it's exaggerated. They explain all of it. And it's just, it's probably the most comic book accurate costumes that I, I've seen on film. And it's great. The story can get convoluted. This is, this is, I think, Warner Brothers' attempt at doing a marvel movie and not getting it completely right but you know they did a great job this to me is the best dceu movie they've done and i know a lot of people are going to scream wonder woman wonder woman was fun but wonder woman it kind of loses its watchability a little bit this is actually a a fun movie there's great action scenes all the fight scenes are, are really intense and 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 fun there's action in it, there's comedy in it, there's a love story in it. Basically, it's it's a bunch of different movies rolled into one. It even has horror aspects in it towards the end, and I found that really, really fun to see that, you know, we're we're getting aspects of, of what happens when you go deep in the ocean and the creatures that live there, and we even get to see the Kraken at one point, and it's it's a great representation of what can be done, and I think it's a step in the right direction for the DCEU because this this film doesn't have the Zack Snyder feel to it. It doesn't have that dark, ominous, monotone feel that the other ones did. This is more bright colored, got more jokes in it, and James Wan took this in a different direction, and I think that this might be how they go from because right now it's sitting at 800 million dollars or something like it, it it's it's going to break a billion. It's it's making them so much money. It is ridiculous. And that's because this film didn't make everything so sad and dark and it it took you know it, it made it it made it fun it made it to where you can go and laugh and enjoy a blockbuster film without getting this this sad feeling in it or you know or not everything's gonna be just we're all gonna die you know they're they one the Atlanteans are planning to attack. Earth and the the groundlings, the earthlings, however you want to call them, we get to see that story of them basically saying we're going to take back what was once ours. We get to see Aquaman as he goes and comes to terms with being the king of Atlantis. That he doesn't want to be the rightful heir to a throne. Again, the film is not perfect. There's certain uh, aspects that is, that are kind of strange when when Jason when Aquaman's father finds his mother. Um, injured on the rocks on the edge of a lighthouse he brings her in doesn't take her to a doctor he just says I'm gonna have sex with that he doesn't really say that but that ends up what's happening you know and they have they bear the son they they bear Arthur Curry we get to see his, his his relationship with his father as his father's always been in love with his mother and he goes and waits for her every day to try to see if her to come back to him and Nicole Kidman did a great job here. Uh, Dolph Lundgren and Willem Dafoe are cast in this, and it's kind of strange in their casting. I think I think Willem Dafoe was uh, wasted a little bit here. I think he could have been a, a better role than what he was given. You know, not not just not like he did a bad role, like he didn't do bad. It's just his his character acting and his his acting chops. It seems like they were a little wasted on a role that's. Not minor, but kind of a secondary character. Dolph Lundgren playing the one of the kings of the kingdoms of Atlantis. He's one king of the different sets. Um, he, he he's okay. I mean, it's Dolph Lundgren. He's not you know going to be the actor that's you know he's not going a uh, Tom Hanks or anything. He did an okay job here. Uh, Amber Heard, who plays Mara, is smoking and maybe my new Hollywood crush. She is so gorgeous in this film. And so amazing. And Jason Momoa playing Arthur Curry, Aquaman, actually made Aquaman cool. Now, I know some people don't like the way he plays. it, kind of the surfer dude-esque. I don't mind it. I think it's taking Aquaman in a different direction than what was intended. I know sometimes I complain that they take stuff too far. But with Aquaman being universally made fun of the way it was, playing him... How it would have been, how he is straight out of the comic books, might not have been the best bet. This is taking a guy who looks the part of being jacked. He looks the part of being a badass. The long hair and the beard kind of throws me a little bit in Aquaman, but it does have a cool effect in the water with everything flowing. But he's not, he's not white cut meat baby face. If you're talking pro wrestling terms, he's kind of a cool, cocky, bad. Yeah, he doesn't want to be king, but he's destined to be king. And the film shows you his struggle of growing up, knowing that never wanting to meet his mother, wanting to meet, you know, see Atlantis, but not being prepared. Basically, because Willem Dafoe's character, who was the hand of the king and is the second in command to his brother, who is the king of Atlantis, when we picked this film up. His, he promised his mother that he would train him, take care of him, make sure he's okay. And he knows that he can't come to Atlantis yet. He knows that he's not going to be welcomed with open arms because he's a half-breed, a, a muggle, a mudblood. You know, if you're using Harry Potter terms. And he doesn't want to tell him about his mother. He doesn't want to tell him that his mother's probably gone. And we get to see a little bit of the backstory of Atlantis and how Atlantis was this this great place that had futuristic tech and at one point they overdid it with their technology and they basically is what caused them to go into the sea with an explosion and that explosion allowed them to breathe underwater we get to see different kingdoms of atlantis um the the way people you know we get to see the mermaid uh people that that took off and they they became mermaids we get to see a crab-like people and it's just interesting to see that to me. This film was very fun to watch. Again, this film is not perfect. It, in true DC fashion, it's convoluted at times. It Sometimes it doesn't seem like it knows what kind of film it wants to be. Like they took a bunch of tropes from comic books and put it together. And that sounds bad. But when you go and see it, it's it's a fun blockbuster comic book movie. Where you can go in, you can laugh, you can cry, you can... You know, just being awe at how beautifully done the whole movie is. And, you know, James Wan did an amazing job. Coming from his humble beginnings as one of the guys who did the original Saw to where he is now, he's performed leaps and bounds. And I don't know, not everybody is a fan of the James Wan style of directing because it's a big budget. And now, you know, action flicks like the Fast and the Furiouses and stuff like that. But me, again, I, I enjoyed it. I, I I really think that he took a character that was going to be difficult to pull off that nobody really had faith in. And when this film was announced, it was probably the one that everybody was like, well, this movie's going to suck. This movie's going to fail. It's going to flop. Nobody really had faith, especially after the, the disaster that was justice league. A lot of people were just over the DC movies and they just thought that there's no way they're going to get them right. We're not going to go see them. In fact, I know some of my friends that actually did, they won't go see the film. They didn't, they weren't going to see this film and After hearing what everybody said, they've actually gone, and they they enjoyed the film. It's one of those ones that I think is a step in the right direction for DC Comics and Warner Brothers to build upon. Uh, I don't think that it's going to... I think, again, it's the best film they've done. I don't know if if that's a good thing or a bad thing because the rest of them haven't been that great. But, again, I, I really enjoyed it. The, everything about this film is something that I I want in a comic book. It felt kind of, it felt like a comic book movie. The acting is, is, is pretty good. The, again, scenery is amazing. So my, my thing is go see it. Now, if you had to pick between this or into the spider verse, it's a tough choice for me because it's apples and oranges. It's two different, it's two different things. It, it depends on what your what your preference is because you're getting two completely different movies, two completely different styles of movies, you know, one's animated, one's live action. You're getting two characters, one that's known and then you're getting introduced to one that's not, you know, a the same character but from a different universe and then you have one that's known but kind of made fun of. But honestly, you can't go wrong seeing either one of these movies. Uh I can't I can't tell you which one to go see instead of the other. It, it it's just it's tough to for me to pick because I'm such a fan of you know this this nerd culture and and both of these movies are, are great in their own right and in their own way. So my my recommendation, if you can, is just check them both out because I don't think you're going to be disappointed in either one of them. And I I really feel that we're we're getting into the cusp of great comic book films and and we're getting a different style from everybody that's that's going to fit next year i mean well this year 2019 there's so many coming out and if you're a fan of comic book movies i mean there's this there's one almost every other month and it's a great time to be alive if you're if you're a nerd a geek a dork whatever you want to say if you're a pop culture junkie so that's going to be it for this episode guys i hope i gave you a, a good little review of some of the both of these films um once i see once upon a deadpool i'll have my review of it so don't worry it is coming like i said i've already pre-ordered the blu-rays and everything you guys are amazing thank you for sticking out the weight thank you for for listening to this episode um follow me on twitter at nerdpool pod follow me on instagram at nerdpool podcast i'm on twitch at nerdpool gaming as always you can hit me up on any one of these platforms and I will respond. You guys are amazing. And I hope to bring you great content in 2019. This here's to another great year of the Nerdpool Podcast. I hope all of your resolutions come. I hope you're you're the best you that you can be. This year is gonna be your year. If you're listening to this, just know 2019 is gonna be your time to shine, everybody. So that's gonna be it. So until next time, that's Nerdpool. See ya.